Welcome to the Comic Sauce Podcast, where we talk comics and comics culture. I am Henry Liu, and today I'm joined by Porfirio Rangel. Porfirio, how's it going? I'm good, Henry. It is hot down here in Southern California. Mm. It is hot. When I say hot, H-O-T, hot. But I'm happy to be here talking with all you. All right. Yeah, the summer continues. Uh, I am also joined by Christian Diadamo. Christian, how goes? What's up? It goes well. Um, weirdly, summer took a break today, and it was really overcast everywhere. Yeah. In Northern California. Mm-hmm. That's I... NorCal weather. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it felt like well, San, was... Fran- San Francisco everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is good, because the last couple of days were pretty hot. They were, uh, Yeah. Yeah, so a little break today. <laughs> uh, but it is still summer. Today is August 25th, 2023. And we're going to talk some Blue Beetle. The latest DC movie has released. It's been out about a week. We have seen it. And we're going to talk all about it. So yeah, uh, let's get into it. Before we do the spoiler stuff, we can talk a little bit about our thoughts and feelings going into the movie, expectations and whatnot. Um, yeah. How were we feeling about the Blue, the Blue Beetle movie before we saw it? Uh, Perferio, you want to start here? Sure. So... Not going to lie, I mean, you both know this, I'm not like the biggest DC person, so I had like no knowledge whatsoever of Blue Beetle, like nothing, besides the fact that he wears a blue suit, and he has like an alien kind of attached to his spine, that's all I knew about it, but when it was announced, I think I got more interested when it was announced that um, actor... Zolo Maridueña was going to be casted for the main role of Jaime Reyes. My like um, interest just sparked, just like when like Neymar was introduced as having this Latino background. I just was like instantly hooked. Um, you know, we've I've seen Zolo in Cobra Kai on Netflix, and he does a really good job here. And he just, I think he's a really good actor. And so, um, you know, it was just also cool. Just, I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong by either of you two, but I think Blue Beetle is the first, Hollywood's first Latino comic book hero to, like, star as, like, the main hero, you know? Like, I know we've had, like, Zoe Sedona play as Gamora or Oscar Isaac as Moon Knight. But I think this is, like, the first, like, Hollywood film with a Latino-led superhero. And I was, that alone just already, like, caught my attention and just caught my interest. So I really was excited for this film. Right on. Okay. How about you, Christian? What were your expectations? Um... Let's see. For a while, I, uh, to be honest, for a while, I didn't. I wasn't really sure this movie was even fully happening. I think uh, mm-hmm. Blue Beetle is a very like 
low tier DC character. He's someone like he almost never, you know, I've been reading comics for or DC comics for a while. I didn't see Blue Beetle a lot, um, barely at all. My first introduction to him was actually in the cartoons because he would show up in like Batman Brave and the Bold. There's a good episode with him. And um, uh, Young Justice was another one. Was mm-hmm. there's a season two is kind of centered around the Beatles, and that was actually pretty cool. Um, and that was really my first introduction to Blue Beetle. Um, and I think the other thing that got me like kind of hyped up for it uh, was mm-hmm. the the lead, the Zolo Mariduena. Um, I did really like him in Cobra Kai. He's great. Um, he plays Magic the Gathering, and so do I. And I've seen him play Match at the Gathering on YouTube uh, with um, the guy who plays Hawk, Jacob. And that's a lot of fun. And I think like it's cool to see like stars kind of do the thing that you do, like Match at the Gathering, have like a similar hobby. Um, and so I think with that, like that, and he's like a very charismatic guy. Uh, he's a guy, actor I'm really rooting for. I really want the best for him. And... I guess we'll go a little more into his performance later on, but it's cool to see an up and comer like that. Um, and so when he got attached, he's the the title the title character. Um, it's like, oh, okay, all right, let's see where this goes. But um, I think even still, like Blue Beetle, never really like saw much of him, so I wasn't really sure what to expect, and I didn't have, I guess, the highest expectations for it either. Got it. Yeah. Sorry, really fast. Going off <laughs> what Christian said, like I, you know, Zolo. I think also what another thing that caught my attention with him is like he's also you know like a fellow geek like the rest of us. I think even at one point, I feel like he wrote like a post on Instagram talking about like how much of a geek he is and how much he had wanted to be cast for a superhero flick, you know, and you know he's just like. The actress who plays um Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan, just a total fellow geek. So it was cool, you know, seeing like, you know, like a fellow geek go out there and make it and kind of live your dream of playing a superhero geeky role, you know? Yeah, yeah. right on. Yeah, it's always yeah, cool it's, to see that. It's like one of us. One yes, of us, exactly. One of us. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, so yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like I went in with next to nothing in terms of like knowledge about this character and really about the movie. I I knew that Zola was in it, but that's pretty much all I knew. <laughs> like I, I I really knew nothing. And I, yeah, it's kind of cool. I just saw this movie today and um when I went in, uh, you talk about going into a movie fresh. Like, I can't think of the last time I went to a movie like this where I just had, like, zero knowledge. And, yes, zero expectations. I really didn't know what to expect. Um, I guess I should say I knew, like, a little tiny bit about the Blue Beetle character in that I knew that the Watchmen character, Night Owl, was based loosely on 
uh the blue beetle character not not this blue beetle character um one of the the older blue beetle characters mm-hmm. um so uh i knew that like the writer of watchman alan moore was like a fan of uh the original blue beetle um that's really all i knew <laughs> i didn't know about the power sets or or really anything i mean prefer you said you didn't know much but you knew that at least he was had this like alien symbiote thing, right? But I I didn't even know that, so mm-hmm. um, I went in very fresh. It was kind of fun actually, like going in that fresh and just not knowing what to expect. Yeah, so we all went in fresh. Yeah, pretty much on the sounds <laughs> of it. Yeah, <laughs> which is not easy these days, you know, like when when we're on social media and just word gets out on on things uh it's hard to go and go in fresh on like movies and tv shows and just yeah. entertainment in general right i think it's kind of like what christian said like you know like it's kind of weird and unusual like out of all characters blue beetle got their own movie because he's kind mm-hmm. of like you know unknown or even folks that do know him he comes from like you know like the young justice or teen titans team you know he's not mm, part of like, yeah he's not a big character or anything yeah. like that and i don't know if you guys remember or not but this movie was actually originally supposed to be an hbo max film oh really ah uh-huh. like no theatrical release basically? it wasn't like when they originally announced this project yeah it was supposed to be an hbo max um project and then I don't know what changed, but then they decided to just yeah make it a threat, um release into theaters. Interesting, yeah. I mean, this is some somewhat of an interesting topic, so we can continue briefly a bit. But it did cross my mind, like, well, the question is, what the hell is Warner Brothers doing exactly? <laughs> right. <laughs> but that, that's the main question. But uh, specifically, like they chose to release the flash movie and the blue beetle movie theatrically and then they chose to axe the batgirl movie completely mm-hmm. no theatrical mm-hmm. release no streaming release just Not that. done gone right? <laughs> and like i'm thinking why like why why those two and not that one i mean I, I it's weird. I don't know. It's, it almost seems like they're just like throwing darts at a dartboard to make their decisions. It, I don't know. It's odd. Like, um, yeah. Uh, I mean, this is probably an ongoing conversation, but I, I just question the logic on a lot of this stuff. Um, and like, what we've been seeing is a lot of box office disappointment from mm-hmm. WB um so yeah i do wonder like why are they making these kind of decisions <laughs> yeah but, yeah for yeah, sure yeah yeah it's questionable a lot of questionable decisions mm-hmm. um so yeah well i mean i'm sure that these sorts of um thoughts will come up along the way for now why don't we just dive right in spoiler alert on the blue beetle we'll be going into details etc so you've been warned let's get into it okay yeah so 
what was good? I know we all enjoy this movie, um, but maybe we can call out some specifics. What do we like here? Well, I'll start. Uh, because uh, I'm talking about this, and I, I, I did really like uh Zolo's performance in this. I, I really liked him as the Blue Beetle. I, um, he, he's like, he's like a very charismatic guy, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hadn't really seen him in a like a big movie like this, and he does kind of have to switch between a lot of different emotions um, very quickly. And I think he does that well. I think he plays off of uh, a lot of the cast members pretty well. I think there's a lot of like pretty solid like like performances. And I did I did like I really liked his family. Mm-hmm. He played really really well off of each member of his family, and I think that like the core there is definitely like the heart of the movie they really mm-hmm. felt like a family and acted like a family you mm-hmm. know and it kind of gave this movie this like like wholesomeness while also making everything seem like very real mm-hmm. you know yeah so that's i think that's the first thing that really comes to mind right there yeah uh <clears throat> just continuing that real quick um i like zolo a lot in this movie too and um i thought I thought he would be good because he's so likable in the Cobra Kai series. You know, Um, I thought if he could channel some of that charisma to this character, I think uh, we'd be in good shape. And then sure enough, like right in the very beginning, like um, he's he's coming home. Right. He's he he touched down at the airport. He's got his little graduation cap on. He's got the smile on his face and he reunites with his family and like with barely any words spoken i'm like i'm i like i'm rooting for this guy like right away like you know i'm down i want to find out what he does and i'm i'm on his side uh so like he kind of won me over like in the in the very first scene he's in uh so yeah his his charisma like shines through and uh yeah he's great yeah, I agree with both of you guys. I think Zolo, like right away, like he, he creates like this very like fun, approachable character. It just reminds me of like, you know, kind of like in a sense, Peter Parker, you know, just like this like everyday young person who's just trying to like get by and be there for his family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think like, you know, Christian, you talked, you touched upon it, but I think like what makes me love and appreciate the film is one Zolo's acting but kind of the storyline it's very like Latino based like you said he interacts with his family a lot he really kind of um cares for them and wants to take care of them and just reminds me of something you find like in Latino households of just like family being like a core structure in our culture and our and what we want to do and I just it just made me very warm and just very happy to see like like Zolo oozing that kind of same um uh dynamic with his family you know and you know like, since we already gave the spoiler alert like even when like he becomes blue beetle and bonds with the the beetles um uh, scallop he doesn't hide who he is like you know the 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 alien blue beetle from his family he totally 
is open with them and lets them in to his world. You know, where someone like Peter Parker is like, I got to protect them. No one can know my identity or anything like that. But here he is just totally like being like open and just wants everybody to be on the same page. He wants to protect them. And I just found that very, I, 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 I related to that. I just saw like that really, it, it was really beautiful to see that on screen. Yeah, you bring up a good point, because um, like in most superhero movies, they would have tried to keep it separate. Mm -hmm. You know, they he would he would have kept the little scarab thing secret from his family. He would have hidden it. Um, he wouldn't have told them anything about being about like his powers, and like. But I liked that the movie finds ways to keep the family and the plot throughout the movie. I could see a different movie, or I'm sure we have seen other superhero movies start with the family elements in some ways, but then kind of ditch it after like the halfway point to focus more on the superhero stuff, you know? Whereas I like that this movie kind of keeps them kind of at the center throughout. Like your your focus never really leaves the family. Yeah, and so, mm -hmm. and so you're kind of able to watch them, you know, watch them and like kind of connect with them throughout the whole movie rather than mm -hmm. just being there at the beginning, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you do see that often, right? Where the family is important to the main character, but you only see them like here and there, right? Uh, but here it really is like a main part of the story that the family component is is really what the movie is all about yeah um hey prefer you you touched upon the latinx representation here we definitely have to talk about this because the question came up like oh is blue beetle the first ever latino superhero movie right and then you think well you know there's namor and black panther 2 and gomora and and then there, Oscar Isaac was Moon Knight, right? Yeah. But like in those projects, okay, okay let's like break it down. Miles, Namor, Miles Morales. Miles yeah. Morales, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so let's, let's break all those down, right? Namor, he was like... The anti-hero. He was, I mean, arguably the villain, but someone yeah. like Free would say the anti-hero, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> he, he's, not, he's not the main character, right? He's not uh -huh. the main character. Same thing with Gamora. She's just part of the team. Mm -hmm. uh, she's also green, <laughs> She's an alien. She's, right, she's an alien. She's, she's, <laughs> and and uh, yeah, with Gamora, she's not playing a Latinx character, right? Yeah. The same could be said for Moon Knight. Oscar Isaac is Latino, but Mark but, Spector but, is. But there's, <laughs> but there's nothing like I okay like I hate saying this, but there's nothing that says that like he's Latinx or anything. Yeah, like he doesn't yeah. like celebrate the culture anyway. He just plays a. He just happens to be a character who is Latinx. Yes, you know? right. You know, and there's Luis from Ant-Man, who's like the comedic sidekick. Yeah. But that let's be let's let's be straightforward here. Like the the cultural component was missing from all the stuff I just met, mentioned before. Oh, arguably uh Black Panther. Yeah, there's a definitely a cultural component there. But yeah. if, in terms of like a leading Latinx character with rich full of the culture this is that movie like and and there's been nothing like it before it's it's this is the one this is the first one 
right? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I so like I didn't know that. Like I knew Zolo was in it. I didn't know that the entire fucking cast is Latinx and like the crew and the just crew, the yeah. themes and the culture yeah. in it. Uh-huh. I mean, this movie is like Latinx as fuck, dude. It's like <laughs> it is. I, yeah. I, was, I was completely blown away. I'm like, is this like really happening? I was like, this is so cool. Uh, so yeah, if you if you go in thinking thinking like oh that this is a superhero movie that is I don't know colorblind and there's it just happens to have a Latino actor playing the lead it is a lot more than that a lot more than that yeah uh, so very cool I, that is definitely like a big plus on my end big plus yeah like really fast like you know like they're just like it's, it's not even like in your face it's just like the little small details like since i don't know if you guys were able to catch on this but like you know there's like a there's like a scene where like you know zolo's like really unconscious and like his grandma gets like the um i don't know if you guys know what's uh vaparu no Did- what's that so vaparu according to like latinx grandmas and mothers can like swear to like their deathbed that it's like the medicine to cure anything so like you could easily get it like a dollar free store and like vaparu is just like this like uh i don't know how what the best way to describe it but like a like um oh my gosh like a uh like a healing cream basically Mm -hmm. to heal your muscles but again latinx grandmas and mothers can swear by it but they say it's like the answer to any sickness you have a cold put some vaporu on your chest you'll feel better you're you're you feel sick put some vaporu on yourself you feel better and so there's a scene where like zolo is just like unconscious and like the grandma totally like just takes out the vaporu and like puts it to next to him so he sniffs and he just like wakes up you know and i was just like oh my gosh how many times has my grandma done that to me you know so it's just like those small little details that i really appreciate you know that is so cool that is yeah yeah and just furthering on that like i gotta be honest like watching this movie I definitely had Black Panther vibes and Shang-Chi vibes. Like in with the, these three movies, you really get like the full representation treatment, mm-hmm. you know. It's not just like, oh, there's one black character or there's one Asian character or there's one Latinx character. Like mm-hmm. you get so much more than that. And like, yeah, it's so cool like you bring up something like that for Furio because I wasn't aware of it. But you could feel like the authenticity. And I knew there was like some uh, components like that in this movie. And like, like there similarly in the Shang-Chi movie, there's a, a, a shot of of Shang-Chi like taking off his shoes before going to his friend's house and just like it's, stuff like yeah. that. Like, oh, my God, uh-huh. like you really feel seen, right? Uh, it's, it's, so, those, it's those it's small details where you yeah. could just be like, you could just laugh it off and be like, oh, yeah, I've been there. You know, I've right. lived that experience. And it's so cool to just let like a mainstream audience be witness to your culture, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, finally, it's being recognized. You know, these big companies, Disney and Warner Brothers, like previously, they're like, oh, what good is something like that? 
going to do? Like, we want to make hundreds of millions of dollars with this. Like, what, what's that going to do? And like, actually, it does speak volumes. It really does. So great to see. Mm. All right. What else do we like here? Any other call outs? Yeah. Um, I think um, something I also liked, I think, like, kind of is just like kind of i actually really liked the way they did the keys i um i like the look at kind of the look of the city i like their house you know the how like their house also felt like very lived in it felt like a mm -hmm. real home mm -hmm. um yeah. uh and then you kind of look out and you kind of see uh the larger city i'm blanking on the name of the city we were actually just talking about it <laughs> uh pa pa Palomora? Palomora City? Uh, Palomora, something like that? Oh, uh, uh, I got it. It's Palermo City. Palermo City. City. Um, the fictional Palermo City. Yeah, so, yeah. like, um, I thought the movie kind of, like, kind of, it starts to almost go into this, like, synthwave look to it, you know, the way they did the city, the larger city, and how, like, mm -hmm. they have their house on the outskirts, and they look out to it. Yeah. You know, it's a small, very quaint, very homey house. And then you kind of see the world of like, you know, the, the it's like cord corporation off in the distance, this like um, that they kind of go like, you know, similar to say like the Waynes or the Starks, mm -hmm. you know, with Wayne tech, Stark tech, you know, things like that. But this one is the cord and it has the whole movie has this kind of like synth wave kind of vibe to it, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. almost yeah. cyberpunk in certain scenes. Mm -hmm. It's, um, mm -hmm. which I I know that's kind of like the flavor of the day, but I don't know. I'm also kind of a sucker for the way they did the colors <laughs> and the way they did the soundtrack. You go to um Ted Cord's house, um, and of course, you know the kind of the the mansion the that's like large but also very empty, and the way mm -hmm. Jenny talks about how there's like little kind of bits of life here with her mom's paintings. But she, you kind of see the two different households, how um, the uh, the cords, you know, they're they're the people who have all the money and everything, but of course they're all very distant. They're all kind of like kind of hating each other, uh, you know, her and Victoria, like kind of the two left. They don't like each other, but they're at the heart of this corporation. But yeah. they have the money, they have the big houses, they have everything, and uh, you know similar to the say like the Waynes of the Starks and then of course uh you you have the Reyes family um down on their luck the way like you know pretty much right as you're introduced to the Reyes family you kind of see all the hardships that they have to feel the real underdogs you know yeah. that is the heart attack and that they don't have the business they're behind on rent you know all very real human problems that you can like you kind of instantly relate to yeah yeah and yeah, so i don't know that that just that really worked for me but uh, <laughs> what were you gonna say perfurio no i like i totally hear everything you're saying like i totally love the visuals that like the city gave off it totally like you said gave it like a few very futuristic cyberpunk vibe um but i also love like again like just the storytelling latinx storytelling i think like it just told like this like you know even this common narrative that we're we see here in the Bay Area of like just gentrification, you know, like a big metropolitan city comes, 
and then they um, increase like the rent to folks who have been there living there for hella long but because of like um, like metropolitan uh, cities and development that they're just pushing like all like these like folks that live on the outskirts you know like and so for me it was just like again like just a very latinx narrative that's again you could see it here in san francisco's mission district or even in oakland but i saw that like being like an issue here with like zolo and his family how he was just like why didn't you tell me about this you know like i need to get a job to help the family like one day i want to make enough money to like put us in a mansion you know so um you know like i totally agree what you're saying about the visuals but i just also saw it like in a like you know as that like the the setting being another part of the narrative and ongoing like um issue that latinx folks face you know right on well said okay yeah i got something i wanted to touch upon so yeah like from the very beginning you get hit with this like strong latinx representation you get to see zolo you get to see his entire family greet him at the airport right um, so right away, I'm like, whoa, like this is they're going there. They're going for it here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and to me, that was exciting. But it was also like, oh, that ups the stakes a little bit, because whenever you get a lot of diversity in front of and behind the camera, there is a bit of a risk, right? Because if the movie is shitty, then the studios are going to be like, well, we tried, but it didn't oh, work. God. So yeah, no, yeah. Oh well, right. So uh -huh. then it was like, okay, uh, this. I hope it's good, <laughs> right? And um, from a pretty early point of the movie, I found this movie to be hilarious. Like this is like a straight up laugh out loud comedy. So that needs to be said too. Yes, it's a superhero movie. Yes, it's a DC movie, but it is super funny. You know, like um, it's a DC superhero movie, but um, this is in no way related to, you know, the Snyderverse or uh, the dark and um, um, dreary superman and batman of bvs and all all, mm -hmm. all this stuff right like talk about a 180 from all that right it is super funny i was laughing all throughout um in particular i wanted to call out uh george lopez here he is so <laughs> funny in this movie mm -hmm. uh, and i was shocked because like he's been around a long time and i've I, he's never really been on my radar uh, but he was a huge standout in this movie he's hilarious uh, he's good dramatically as well. Um, yeah, I can't say enough. So I think the point where I was like, holy shit, this is a really entertaining entertaining movie was when um, uh, Jaime becomes the Blue Beetle, basically, right? He has uh, the scarab and his family's like, take it out, take it out, let's see, right? <laughs> and he kind of takes out reluctantly and then it like jumps inside of him and he's like really freaked out and all kinds of mayhem ensues. Right. And there's a moment where 
he's like, oh my God, I think it's inside of me. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then George Lopez says, it went up as culo. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, like this, th- this is, this is good. <laughs> like I was like fully on board with this movie because it, all of a sudden it was, it, number one, it was like a hilarious moment. But then number two was like, oh, they're not taking this too seriously. Right. Uh, and I love that. I love that. That's like all throughout the movie. I think maybe they went a little overboard on the ridiculousness uh, a few times, but for the most part, it works and it's it, it really just doesn't take itself too seriously. And I, I think with the character like Blue Beetle, who isn't a household name and who is, you know, like, a, you know, a B level hero at best um you kind of have to have that approach right where you don't you don't like treat it as like uh a sacred beloved character you kind of gotta gotta have fun with it right and yeah this movie is a lot of fun and it's it's so funny yeah i agree with what you said henry i think george lopez was definitely a highlight for me i think you know I kind of grew up with George Lopez watching the George Lopez show, you know, mm. <laughs> but I just felt like, you know, George Lopez just, you know, kind of not going to lie. Like yeah, as I grew up, I just kind of like, I just felt like George Lopez rec- represent like this kind of like old school, like mm, Mexican, like American person of just like, mm-hmm having the same old jokes about like immigration or whatever Mm -hmm. but like this movie did remind me why the hell i think this guy's really funny like he was like anytime he spoke or any of his scenes like you know one he was like crazy as hell like he had like yeah conspiracy theories but two he was just fucking a genius also you know yeah like he like you said like he was funny and he knew how to make fun of other characters and himself. But at the same time, he was just also like a genius. So you couldn't mm-hmm. just it 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 was like an unusual like character to be written because you can't help but just be like, this guy's like cuckoo, but at the same <laughs> time he's a cuckoo genius, you know? Yeah. So um I appreciate that that character is written for George Lopez and he did an amazing job with the role. Yeah, yeah. Just a little more on that. Like earlier in the movie, um, there's a really funny moment, uh, and it's when like uh, when Jaime first uh, comes home and he's having like his first home cooked meal, and he's just he's just like loving it, right? Uh, He's like, "Oh my god, this is so good. I miss this." (laughs) And um, and then they hit him with all this like really bad news. And um, it's like, oh, bad news. Like, we're going to lose the house. It's like, what? And, oh, bad news. Uh, we're, we're losing the family business, like the, the <laughs> yeah. towing garage. Yeah. Like, what? And it's like, oh, your dad had a heart attack. It's like, what the hell? You know, like, it's, it's all this bad stuff. And then again, George Lopez, like, uh, steals the show. He's like, um, hey, at least the food's still good. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very like Luis moment where he's like, "Hey, you still got the van, right?" Yeah, yeah, so funny. And then like, so at that point, I was like, "Oh, well, that that's a funny line," but I was really expecting George Lopez to be just that for the rest of the movie, and he just... was very funny. But mm-hmm. like you were 
saying Porfirio, he's so much more than that. Like later on, he does become the Blue Beatles, the Blue Beatles like guy in the chair in a way, right? Mm-hmm. The tech guy. And then, oh man, there's another scene where it is so powerful. Like, so this movie is very funny, it's hilarious. I would add it's also very touching. This is a very emotionally powerful movie too. So it's it's basically the moment where uh, Jaime is kind of doubting himself and he's like the reluctant hero, right? He finds out you can't get rid of this uh, symbiote power, right? He doesn't want it. He wants to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. But then come to find out that the only way to get rid of it is to die and then you can remove it or some shit. <laughs> so he's like, He's he's flipping out, right? It's like his his whole life has changed, right? His either he has to give himself in uh, to the bad guys, or he lives his life as like I don't know, like a um, like a fugitive vigilante, right? Yeah. Um, so so George Lopez, we, we should just name his character. He's uh, Uncle Rudy, yeah? yeah. Uncle Rudy gives him like a little pep talk and. Dude, I was almost crying at the end of the scene, man. Like, basically, the gist was like, you know, you know, I'm with you. Like, it's tough. Like, you're going through a lot of stuff. But you know what? You have this power. Uh, Maybe it's time one of our people stepped up. And and our days of getting the foot in our ass are, are done, you know, something along those lines. Right. And it's like, oh my god, so powerful! Like I'm, I'm doing the performance injustice. Like it's, he's so great in the scene. Both of them, both Zolo and George Lopez, are great in the scene. Um, and it, it's like a great character moment for both of them. But then, like, there's subtext too, right? It's also like, it's time for Latinx heroes to come to the forefront. Mm-hmm. Like we've been the sidekick for too long. We've been the villain for too long. Like the days of us getting a foot in our ass are over. Like that ends now, right? It's just so <laughs> powerful. I love it. You know, it's just a, such a great message within the movie, but also like outside of the movie as well. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. And, you know, kind of kind of going off that, but kind of going off topic. Like I love like the DC references that were like placed throughout the film. You know, like the beginning, you see that Zolo came from Gotham Law or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. <laughs> and then, like he, like, and then when they go like to the mansion, um, like, uh, you know, like they talk about all these other, uh, superhero names, like, oh, uh, Batman and Superman and Flash, you know. And then, like, Uncle Rudy says this one line. He's like, Batman's a fascist. (laughs) (laughs) I did laugh a lot at that line. (laughs) And I was just, I was laughing. I was cracking. I was like, that's something, you know, like, yeah, like a, like, you know, like, if we didn't love Batman as a comic book hero and Batman's like a real person, I feel like that's something that's like, would, like, be said, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that's so, that, oh go, yeah go ahead no uh i was just gonna really quickly say like that's just a little bit of like realism but just kind of shows that like where 
Um, well, I'll, I'll get into it later, but yeah, that that just shows some realism about the film and the characters. Cool. Yeah, uh, just real quick, I I caught the Gotham City reference too. I think um, Jaime has like a Gotham Law like yeah shirt. Yeah. So that 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 tells us that he got his degree in Gotham City, right? And, and what what I read into that was that you know he was loving eating Mexican food back home so much that my takeaway was that the Mexican food in Gotham City much must be really shitty. <laughs> that's, that's my takeaway. <laughs> uh-huh. Um yeah, Christian, do you have anything to add? Yeah. Um like I like I was going to say that the the movie I think does a really good like job of I think juggling a lot of those comedic more serious moments like the emotional moments um like very well like it kind of flip flops or can flip flop between the two you know two and the three and so the actors do got to like pull a lot of different emotions really quickly um and George Lopez I agree with you guys definitely is like the standout character of the family mm-hmm. that is in the main character, you know. Um I thought his sister also had some good lines at the beginning, you know. Um she definitely feels like a sister, you know. <laughs> the way, you know, she always kind of gives a little, you know, she's always kind of giving shit to um to Jaime, you know. Yeah. At the beginning, you kind of see their bond, you know. But, you know, you kind of see that with the two siblings, Jaime wants to leave, start a law, make a better life, whereas she's much more in tune and has a lot more roots in the keys. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, like I, I was also, you know, pretty sad. Like I didn't actually expect to see his dad dying kind of halfway through. You only see kind of snippets mm-hmm. of, of his dad here and there. He's kind of the the stoic, you know, emotional, like kind of grounding of the families. I, the mm-hmm. one who always says, we can get through this. We always mm-hmm. do. And that's mm-hmm. kind of his big line, you mm-hmm. know? And I did really like that kind of scene at the end where he talks to his dad before he kind of gets his second wind before the big battle, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a nice little moment there. And so the boot, like, I guess there's a quick little side note to kind of veer off. I think the movie's actually like paced pretty well in that regard. Um the movie's only 2 hours long and it like because it feels it's 2 hours long, it's very low stakes. I mm-hmm. didn't quite like that. Mm-hmm. Um it didn't try to do too much. It kind of just it gets a base hit. It mm-hmm. and it gets on base. <laughs> You know, it just it feels like it does everything it needs to do. It doesn't take itself too seriously. It feels perfect for this type of character, you know. And because it didn't try to do too much with it, it didn't really feel like it fumbled anything Mm -hmm. like it's paced. Well, it's not too long, too bloated. And it hits all the right notes. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. One, one scene that you talked about was yeah, like when Jaime talked with his dad, you know, in the afterlife. Yeah, it just 
you know, I just felt like that was a total like Black Panther mm. moment, you know. Yeah. And I got really emotional during that scene. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna mm-hmm. lie. But again, like I just I just think like this was just a really good movie that had the writing was good and knew the perfect balance between like being um serious and being comedic. Uh, like like you said, like you already pointed out, Christian, and um, of course it had some flaws, but it had a good base hit, and I enjoyed it. You know, right on, cool. Um, yeah, just a few quick fires here before we get, move on. Um, yeah, uh, with the representation stuff, uh, also notably, uh, the movie does it pretty well with like pointing out these little microaggressions. Um, kind of like what you were saying earlier, Perfirio, pretty subtle, you know, just kind of like little uh, quick moments here and there. But again, they can really speak volumes. Uh, like early in the movie, uh, Jaime is looking to get a job and like the receptionist keeps calling him Jamie. Jamie, right? oh God. Even <laughs> after he kind of corrects her, says, oh, my name's actually Jaime. He continues to call him that. Um, and then, and then uh, just like, um, names in general are just like kind of butchered all over the place. I, f- I, feel uh, like, I feel like if you're not like a white folk, like you would understand, you know, like mm-hmm. I understand <laughs> I've been there. So, yeah. Yeah. And just like the use, the, uh, the, 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 um, using the wrong names and like yeah. using Spanish terms in like derogatory ways, like, yeah, like the, the, the Susan Sarandon character, like she plays uh, the main villain, right? Victoria Corden. At one moment, she's like, Andale, Andale, you know? And like, just like little moments like that are like, oh shit, like, yeah, you know, it, it, it's it's just brief and it's subtle, but like, it, again, it, it does speak volumes. Or, or like how Victoria always like misnamed her assistant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. she always kept calling him the wrong name. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's kind of it's it's pretty awesome because it's like it's a funny moment, but it's also like pointing out this like pretty messed up microaggression, right? Because the guy's name, with like a lot of Latin names, it's like a lot of names, but she just so happens to call him like the one name that is not any of his names, right? So oh my god, it's it's like funny and like um, kind of uh important at the same time right? yeah, yeah for sure yeah cool okay uh so all right let's move on is there anything we didn't like about this movie clearly uh there's a lot we liked <laughs> any negatives you want to call out um okay i'll start because i've been i feel like i have a lot of good positives i feel like you know of course this movie didn't come without its imperfections and so I guess like one thing I do want to point out is like a lot of this movie is not like obviously besides like the Latinx representation, none about nothing about it is um groundbreaking. I don't know if that's the right word, but mm-hmm. it just kind of played off like the very like typical superhero cliches, like I have this power, I don't know what to do. And I am going to, like, I learned how to use the power, whatever. And 
I just felt like it was what's the right thing I'm trying to say about this movie. It was kind of predictable. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. like every step of the way was pretty predictable about like where they were gonna go. Like I appreciate like the storyline and um the way they told it, but everything about it, I was like, oh, he's gonna save his family. Oh, his dad's gonna die. Oh, he finds out this past about like what his suit is all about. Like it was just nothing about it was spoke original or out of the box to me and it just felt very like by the book superhero cliche storyline and so i was just a little bit disappointed on that end mm-hmm. yeah that's interesting you call that out because like i made the comparison to black panther and shang chi and i think there's kind of a similar theme with all three movies in that they are groundbreaking moments in representation but with the storytelling, they're all using kind of the same old superhero template, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing super groundbreaking about the storytelling. You know, again, the representation, the cultural components are groundbreaking. Let's not get that mistaken. But yeah, yeah. Um, the stories, yeah, it's kind of like the same old shit in a way, <laughs> yeah. right? So I, I do agree with you there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think with this one, uh, for some reason, I think Blue Beetle really sticks out as, uh, like, the story structure does feel fairly generic in terms of superhero-ness. It does feel like, okay, uh, main character in his, you know, late teens, could be early 20s at this point, um, happens to get a superpower from a science company Mm -hmm. that he doesn't know and he kind of learns with somebody else from the science company Mm -hmm. gaining a different superpower could be the same, could be harnessing it in a different way. Yeah. Which of course, and and is more powerful and they fight. Like, I think that's, you know, that's this movie. That's the first Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man that's venom, you know, and as well as like other <laughs> yeah. different elements, like you guys, you already yeah. named Black Panther, Shang Chi. Yeah. I'd even yeah. throw in Batman in there, um, sure. mm-hmm. in a way. Uh, and I think there's even more that we're mm-hmm. we're kind of doing. It does feel a little worn out. I think uh, yeah. at the same time, there's parts of. I think this this movie's like very wholesome and has a charm to it. So at times it feels a bit like a throwback, you know, I, it, it mm-hmm. kind of approaches it well enough to where we still had a good time when we watched it, even though we kind of saw everything of like, oh, that's this movie. That's yeah. that movie. Yeah. This feels like X, Y, and Z a little too much. Um, And I think there's like other good elements that kind of help differentiate it help you have a good time, you know, but uh, yeah, it, it was i think that at the end of the day i do think that kind of holds it back you know mm-hmm. especially in this point i think if this i don't know how long this movie was in production especially with the big pandemic but i imagine mm-hmm. if this movie released like a few years ago i could see it be like being being a hit being you know having a much bigger reception mm-hmm. than it than it is than it's having right now you know yeah um, hey, yeah, I'm glad you guys were picking up on that, too. The fact that 
it's drawing from a lot of familiar territory, right? Um, I think it's purposeful, actually, because there's some stuff in here that seems like almost like an homage, right? So, yeah, I took some some of these down. But uh, when, when Jaime is first in the suit, he like he flies all the way into outer space, right? That has very much like Iron Man one testing the suit vibes, mm-hmm. you know, where he like finds out this the suit can't handle the high altitudes and there's like an ice problem. Uh, very similar scenes, very similar. Um, speaking of Spider-Man one, everything you mentioned, Christian. Yes, agreed. But also at the end of the movie, the Blue Beetle has half of his mask torn off very much like the end of Spider-Man one. When he's fighting Green Goblin, mm-hmm. um, Perferio, you mentioned like the Black Panther and ancestral realm vibes with uh, Jaime and his his passed away dad. There's that, but also at the end of that scene, his dad disappears, and it looks very much like uh, he's getting dusted away, a la Infinity War, right? <laughs> very similar. I don't think that's like a coincidence. Uh, so, uh, yes, we're treading on a lot of familiar territory here. Um, so much so that, yeah, again, I think they did it purposefully. But as we've been saying, I think, yeah, maybe it it holds this movie back a bit because there's really nothing terribly original or inventive in terms of the story. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. I think an- another point I want to bring out is, you know, I... I've said this so many times during our podcast is that a movie is only as good as as its villain. Mm -hmm. And I felt like the villain was pretty bad in this movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, whether it was Victoria, you know, the, the CEO of the, the, the company or the guy in the battle armor suit, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I just felt like there was no in depth or um, no characterization be- behind those those characters. Yeah, and so for me, I just felt like you know they were just like this another person that was just like, I'm going to do this because I want to. So I just felt like I didn't care about them. I didn't have any sympathy for them. Like. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I forgot which one it was. Oh, when we did the Secret Invasion um, review, like, you know, that was a terrible TV show. Um, what, what's the villain's name? Uh, Gravik. Gravik. You understood where he was coming from. So that that was one of the high points for me was the mm-hmm. villain. Yeah. And for this one, it just totally felt flat. Yeah. You know. And uh, just to add on there, uh, the, the secondary villain is Carapax. And it's like at the very end, they injected uh, some backstory to him that I felt would have been pretty cool to have earlier. Mm-hmm. Right. Because at, at the very end, like when he's he's basically like already defeated, I think you find out that he he there's this real sad story where he was like totally exploited by Victoria. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's, he becomes like kind of a sympathetic character. Um, But it was like, Oh, why are you telling me this? Like at the very end, 
<laughs> it would have been kind of cool if we knew that this character had this backstory in him earlier, right? Because then it'd be kind of more like what you're we're looking for, Perfurio, right? I was looking for something like that. I too kind of felt like the villains were pretty weak. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like maybe <laughs> at the very end they're like, oh shit, we didn't do enough character <laughs> development for our villains. Let's just throw that thing in there. <laughs> it was like a little too late. Um, but yeah, I no, uh, when all is said and done, I I do agree with you. Yeah, it's a little bit weak on the villain side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I think there's there's one thing that I did like about the villains uh, with Carapac specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like how at the end, the, him and Blue Beetle kind of come to an understanding a bit. Like he sees the you know he sees the the tragic backstory sees kind of who he really is um i think the my family makes me strong was probably a little too cliche (laughs) but i i don't know i like it's like this and like spider-man 3 is the other movie i can think of that do this where the hero and the villain kind of it ends with them kind of coming to an understanding Mm -hmm. with each other Mm mm-hmm a lot of times you see the hero kill the villain or subdue the villain, you know, and that's the end of the, that's the end of it. And I guess, you know, Susan Sarandon's character, Victoria, does get killed. But I don't know. Blue Beetle and Carapax have that nice little moment between the t- two. And I did like that. That's probably the only little bit of the villains I think I liked, whereas I, I definitely agree with the rest of it where they're eh, they're pretty bland. I like the action also. I don't know. Well, side note. I did enjoy the action. Uh-huh. Like a lo- that was yeah. that was it, you know. <laughs> no, like I think, you know, I I said this earlier, but I think Blue Beetle again reminded me a lot of like Peter Parker's Spider-Man, and I think like that that battle scene that you talked about definitely reminded me a little bit of like um No Way Home, like that scene between Tom Holland's Spider-Man and Green Goblin of mm-hmm. like, you know, the main hero just having so much anger and so much like being like you killed this person that was meaningful to me i want to take revenge on you yeah and then just having to like be like no like i'm a bigger person they wouldn't want this so um like i enjoyed that scene also yeah it was a it was a, a cute little scene cool um oh so christian you mentioned the action um yeah i wasn't so much of a fan of the action in this movie so Let's see. Uh, You know what? Uh, I was a little bit confused because with uh, the Blue Beetle suit. Okay, let's talk about the Blue Beetle suit. Uh, It is a suit, (laughs) but it's not like an Iron Man suit. Um, It's like it's a suit, but it's also like part of him. Right. It's they're calling it a symbiote. Mm -hmm. So um basically jaime has to like learn to work with the symbiote in order to operate the suit properly i guess that's kind of the the action character arc in this movie but here's the weird thing so uh often with superhero origin stories like the the hero is not adept initially right and then he learns to use his powers he or she learns to use his powers correctly and um 
you know, defeats the enemy in the end. Um, but the weird thing with this one is, like, I kind of felt like the Blue Beetle didn't really need to learn how to use the suit or even work with the symbiote that well because the symbiote could fight well with the suit on its own, right? So I was like, oh, that's odd. It almost it almost took away like narrative tension because I'm like, oh, he doesn't really need to learn how to use the suit because he's like kicking ass early on in the movie and he doesn't even know how to use it. It's like it's just the symbiote who's like operating it. So it was kind of like at the same time confusing, but also like like it, it took away from that that satisfying like um uh de- developing your power stuff that is always pretty fun in superhero origin stories right um so i don't know any thoughts on that i, I was just kind of confused with like the powers and like the development of the powers and all that stuff mm-hmm. what i will say because i was on the same boat like you like um henry i had to you know blue beetle was one of the like the first the film that i first watched to be introduced to this character so i was like totally confused about that but then like i you know watched a little bit of um young justice and read a few comics after the film just so i could be more knowledgeable about the character and that's just something that's a constant issue between jaime and the suit in general you know like there's just this like conflict about like Jaime being the host and the the um the alien just kind of wanting to take charge and do what it can to protect the host or like you know kind of like that relationship like with Eddie Brock and Venom in the Venom movie of like Mm -hmm. oh we have to do this like we have to do this and like Eddie Brock just being like no no like that's wrong let me teach you whatever you know Mm -hmm. so it's something the best answer i could give you is that like it's just an very recurring issue i guess that jaime's been facing within the comics so um there's no clear like resolution to Mm, to that okay cool yeah thanks for that background that does help um, but it doesn't change the fact that while I was watching the movie, it was pretty confusing. Like, yeah, what's yeah. going on? It, it sort of implied that okay, he kind of has to work with the symbiote to get things working right, and then like later on, it kind of implies that it's his it's his dad that kind of helps him overcome some of these issues. Like, oh, you just have to like kind of I don't know, believe in yourself and and like everything's going to be okay. And like, um, you know, I'll be here for you. Right. Um, so it was just all very kind of vague. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and I'll just go back to this one last time, but the fact that the suit could work on its own without him, that kind of bugged me. Like it, it's, I think they should have taken, they should have taken that out because <laughs> like, it really feels like, oh, he didn't need to learn how to use the suit because the suit really could handle itself early on. Like he wasn't even trying to defend himself and the suit would like protect him. So, yeah, it was just, yeah, it was a problem, I thought. Yeah, for sure. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was almost like they did that as a way to kind of just fast track things so they could keep yeah. the plot moving. You yeah. know, they didn't really explain like I don't think the movie did as good as the kind of push and pull as good as say like Venom did, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, And they just kind of well, it's like, well, we got to have the, the action scene, so we'll just have it kind of do that. But he kind of mm-hmm. just says like, oh, we'll just use the non-lethal. Yeah. Use the air blasters instead. Right. Yeah. <laughs> instead of the guns or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And they yeah. kind of hint at it later that he's like kind of the one in charge. Like he's the mm-hmm. one fighting kind of. Yeah. But that's really only when he's fighting Carapax the end. Yeah. 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 I think it makes sense. It it sounds like they were going for what you're talking about. For you know that the suit is kind of unstable and hard to control. Um, But it seems like they could have done a better job just sort of explaining oh yeah what was going on because yeah, yeah if, if it was established that it was more like a venom symbiote then like a, an iron man suit ai like a jarvis then i think it would have made more sense because it, it seemed like the suit was more like like jarvis than it was venom right but as it turns out it was it, it was kind of more like venom right it was it was a character in mm-hmm. itself right yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. okay um let's see some just a couple random thoughts i alluded to earlier how um there is there's some stuff that was like a little bit overboard ridiculous <laughs> and look this movie is really funny i was laughing all throughout but there were a couple moments that was like okay this is pretty corny um so uh the blue beetles vehicle the bug featured in this movie yes and uh-huh. it, it's pretty cool you know um and they do the the team you know the the reyes family uses it uh to conquer their opponents um but there is a moment where like the vehicle like shoots fart gas out <laughs> like i was like okay they went it went a little too far this is just really silly um there's that uh, uh maybe i'll get your take uh your guys's take on this too but um um the nana the nana <laughs> character is pretty cool in this movie um you mentioned the, the, the scene you liked earlier for you uh but uh at the end of the movie she's like uh ho- holding a gatling gun and that whole thing was like too much for me too it was like really silly and just like it, it i don't know it didn't it didn't quite work for me um, but what you guys think of, of, of kind of the silliness of some of this stuff? Yeah, I, I, that scene was definitely a little too much for me, too. You know, it seemed just like a little too much of a like a jump the shark moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I but... think with the, the I'm with you on the gas. Like, I think I remember watching that and thinking like, man, I would have liked that scene so much better if it didn't actually have the fart noise as it spewed the gas. <laughs> Yeah. I would have been okay with the gas, but it really didn't need to to like fart, you know. Yeah, it didn't yeah. need to say like <laughs> bug fart with like <laughs> right with the actual noise, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I agree. Like this are these. I guess like this. Those were some scenes where like again, like where the comedy just kind of like takes over and doesn't take itself seriously, but. Mm-hmm then like yeah like there's i think that falls apart uh, um 
on top of like that issue I said where it just felt like a little like too cliche and out there, you know. Um, but I will say like I think like the Nana like controlling the um the guns thing was like a total like reference to like this like revolutionary revolutionary thing that happened in Mexico that I guess the Nana was a part of. And so it was cool seeing that, like, that part of history being represented, but at the same time, I was like, okay, come on, like, she's an older folk, like, like, the family is going to be like, okay, let's go save Jaime, you know, it's just kind of like, it's kind of like, okay, you guys, like, like, come on, like, I get we all care about him, but like, like, is this believable, Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But that's a good call out because like even something that's not really positive, we're calling it out as a negative, even that has like a cool little cultural component to it. So, you know, you're still getting, you know, uh, something cool out of it regardless. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. Oh, another call out here. Uh, yeah. So in general, like I was mentioning, I wasn't a huge fan of the action in the movie. Um, but I will say this. There is a fight scene uh, where a Cypress Hill song comes on. I ain't going out like that. Oh, my God. Like, I love that song. And when they started playing it, I'm like, holy shit. No way. Like, <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard like a Cypress Hill song in an action movie before and they use it really well um like it's basically when Jaime first starts to be able to use the suit properly and he's just like beating down a bunch of bad guys and it's an awesome scene like uh I think pretty much the only action scene I did enjoy but yeah I thought that was pretty awesome mm -hmm. yeah that was that was a cool little song pick yeah oh i was like song selection like a plus <laughs> well done well done awesome okay um yeah we could get on uh to just random thoughts any just thoughts in general about blue beetle okay like i do have some thoughts because i again like i really like this movie but you know i want to say some stuff that happened out like i, I don't know what the right realm is um promotions or whatever but um as we're fully aware there is an ongoing strike going on with the hollywood writers and actors mm -hmm. so unfortunately because that strike is still going on as of today august 25th and the weeks leading up to the release of the film there was zero press or and very little promotion for the film. Um, now, I'm not going to say like this was like a huge factor, but it is something to consider to its Blue Beetle's disappointing box office performance. You mm -hmm. know, opening weekend, I think domestically, it only made $25 million, which is the second to the second lowest um, box office performance in the DC universe. The only other uh, film to do worse than that was Wonder Woman 1984, 
because that was released during the pandemic and mm-hmm. also HBO Max at the same time. Mm-hmm. So um, I think one thing you had said earlier, Henry, was that like it's disappointing to see, um, you know, because these kind of films, again, I love this film because it just the Latinx representation and writing and crew was just really, I saw beautiful and I really enjoyed it. But unfortunately, like, it didn't do well in the box office. And I don't yep. want this to be a reason for, like, Warner Brothers Studios to be like, oh, like, this is why we don't invest in diverse projects because there's no money there. Nobody cares. Yeah. No one's going to go watch these films. Yeah. So I really have to, f- like, point that out really fast. And But despite the f- box office performance, it did have one of the best critics reviews i know that doesn't matter to a lot of folks but did have one of the best uh critics perform um reviews on Rotten tomatoes in the longest time and um i'll just leave it like that (laughs) what are you guys thoughts or oh and you're referring to like just uh Rotten tomato score compared to other dc movies yes Yeah. yeah right on yeah 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 let's let's definitely talk about this more the box office disappointment so man like this movie the fact that it got made it got distributed theatrically i mean it it is defy it has defied the odds to this point right um and the fact that they made a really fucking good movie is awesome too right so like the movie got made it got released theatrically it's actually a good movie <laughs> so it's like it's hit, hitting all the boxes right but then boom like um for arguably a lot of different reasons it was a definite box office disappointment so you can point to superhero fatigue you can point to um, the lack of promotion that you were mentioned in Perfurio. You you could mention Hurricane Hillary. And some people are even saying that. Kind <laughs> of ridiculous. Warner Brothers saying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there are a lot of things you could point to. But bottom line is it was uh, kind of a dud at the box office. So then it's like, okay, now what? Like, is it going to be a case where the studios are like, we tried, but you know, it just doesn't work. People don't want to see these people on the screen, right? And um, that would be really sad if that was the case. Um, the hope is because the movie is good and a lot of people are liking it, you know, the critics are liking it, the few people like us who actually went to go see it are liking it. Um, you know, this is a good movie, so a lot of times when movies are good even though they failed at the box office, they will they will stand the test of time. And people will look back and be like, this is a good movie. This is an important movie. Um, we support this and we want to see more stuff like this, right? Um, hopefully that'll be the case. Um, look, I, I remember when the Shang-Chi movie came out, that movie didn't make a whole lot of money either. Um, that was like 100% because of the pandemic though, right? Yeah, that movie actually was like made more money than they were expecting, so it was like a surprise hit. 
like all told they didn't make a lot but it made a lot more than people thought right it, it, and with box office it's always about surpassing expectations right mm-hmm. um but bottom line is it didn't make much money but because it was good because a lot of people felt it was like important it has stood the test of time and um you know like i kind of hope that what happened to shang chi is going to happen to blue beetle so we'll see but um yeah that that's that's the hope uh yeah we shall see <laughs> you know especially when we're talking warner brothers in dc who knows <laughs> because we're about to go through a huge paradigm shift right so yeah. um everything that we've, we've seen so far is likely gonna be like gonna toss out the window in a way but yeah we shall see and my last little bit on that on that whole thing is if this is the end for this blue beetle like none of these actors reprise their characters we won't see this character on a streaming show we won't see them in james gunn's universe i'm kind of okay with that i got a fucking good movie i highly enjoyed it and i feel like um like it's uh i i I can feel good about that you know if this is the end not the end of the world so uh, (laughs) i got to see a cool movie i'll I'll say something to that in a bit but i just quickly want to hear christian's thoughts on on everything that we've just said yeah (laughs) yeah like this movie was always fighting i think an uphill battle you know yep and kind of everything that you guys just said and i think um something else i want to add something i think i've probably talked about a bit during flash is that like um with james gunn coming on and saying they were going to completely restart the universe i think they kind of pulled that trigger a little too early and i think in the age especially in the age of social media where i think general a lot of general audiences know what in, in terms of dc what is and what isn't part of the universe even though james gunn did kind of come out and say like hey this this will we want blue beetle in the new universe this can be part of the new gun verse you know dcu um i think a lot of people still associate this movie with the dcu man of steel Suicide Squad, BBS, that universe. Mm-hmm. And I think um, a lot of people are very apathetic to that. There's kind of been a lot of stinkers in that universe. And um, I think a lot of, like I said, people are apathetic. But a lot of people did come out for the Batman. And a lot of people came out for Joker. They were two very, very big hit. You know, they're pretty big hits. Yeah, a lot of people really like those mm-hmm. movies that very much are not in this DCEU. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and I think general audiences knew that going in, and they knew that coming out. Whereas they look at this one, they see a movie. It may have kind of gone around. It's like, well, I don't really know that character at all. I've never really seen them. And I don't really care for that universe. So I'm probably just going to skip it. Maybe wait for HBO Max. Mm -hmm. And that'll probably be two months. You know, I already kind of, 
my dollar doesn't go very far. And, and I just kind of saw Barbie and Oppenheimer or Spider-Verse, you know, I already saw some of the other ones and I'll skip that one, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So I do think that that plays a part in it as mm-hmm. well. Just the mm-hmm. overall, just kind of like bottom that the, that this DCEU brand has. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that is unfortunate because I do want to see more of this character. I like, I do think James Gunn said Blue Beetle is going to be part of the new universe. This version of the character in this movie will fit. It's very standalone. And I think they knew what they had. I think they knew they had a good movie on their hands. Mm. Good enough to, re- to hold on to it. Because they knew even if people don't go to see it, even if this bombs, the people who will see it will like it. Yeah. So going off that note, when you said Christian, I can tell you, and I've looked it up because I was worried about this. Um, is there plans for a future Blue Beetle sequel or whatnot? Um, so far, nothing's been announced or been like predicted. The director of the Blue Beetle film said like everything was just always up in the air at Warner Brothers, and it would always have to depend on the box office. Um, so because of it being kind of a flop, I don't have the highest hopes for a sequel to the Blue Beetle character. But I will say that James Gunn has said in interviews that um, even though Blue Beetle is not the film to launch the new DCU universe, that Blue Beetle, the character, is the first character within the... DCU universe. Oh, really? Yeah. So they're already counting this as like the new universe. It's hard to say because <laughs> I, I don't want to say like the storyline and these characters we're going to see them in future movies, but I I think what I can say for certain is that Zolo as Blue Beetle as Jaime Reyes, we probably will see him in that universe and other oh. films. Okay. Uh-huh. You know, cool. very similar to, you know, like, I guess, I don't know, like, um, the X-Men, mm-hmm. you know, and in the MCU yeah. of like maybe them not being part of the MCU, but we will see those characters in future MCU projects, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, I have seen, yeah, like reports of like James Gunn saying that like, this film and the storyline that just happened may not take place in the new DC universe. Like this, this is not the launch of it, the launch of the universe, you know, cause um, mm-hmm. the Superman film is going to be the, the start of that. But he did say that like Blue Beetle is the first character that Warner brothers is introducing as part of that DCU universe interesting interesting well you know what man well this kind of shows you the importance of of promoting a movie right because i think it would have helped this movie if people knew that right because you made a really good point christian like on top of all these like factors we've been talking about for the box office disappointment yeah, I think that's a big one. The fact that I think a lot of people were thinking, well, 
this is like the end of this phase of DC. So why do I need to watch this movie? It'll have nothing to do with the new DCU, right? Kind of like, you know, uh, when that X-Men Dark Phoenix movie came out, they were saying, oh, uh, you know, come say goodbye to your old, you know, your favorite X-Men characters. But just so you know, this has nothing to do with the Fox acquisition and the future of the X-Men and MCU. When that was stated, boom, no one went to see that movie, right? And I think a similar thing happened here, right? Where they're saying like, oh, after Blue Beetle and what, after Aquaman 2, Mm -hmm. that's when DC will kick in, right? So I, I think a lot of people are hearing that and they're, and we're just like checked out. Like, oh, why do I need to go see Blue Beetle or Flash or Shazam 2 or um, uh, Black Adam. Yeah. We're we're just checked out. We're like, oh, well, not only is it going to be on Max in like a couple months, but like it's going to be kind of the end of all this stuff anyway. So why bother? I think that's a huge factor, like you were saying. Um, And the fact that Gunn called it out saying, oh, wait a minute, you know, uh, you know, Zolo's going to live on. We're going to see the Blue Beetle in the DCU. Like, if they could have promoted that, like, that that could have helped, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as it is, it it didn't do so great. And the, yeah, the the future of, of the Blue Beetle in movie and TV is certainly in question. But for now, we can enjoy this movie and uh, let's rate it. How would you rate the Blue Beetle movie? Uh, You want to start, Christian? Yeah. Um, Okay. so I think for this movie, I'm thinking I'm thinking a three out of five. I think I, I, I liked it quite a bit. A lot of fun. Like I said, it's paced very well. And it has like a really good core and a lot of charm to it. It was definitely a lot of fun. It's a very easy watch. I could see myself just kind of throwing this on, even though um, it definitely is a it's a definitely a story I've seen many many times before. And like you also mentioned, Perfirio, a superhero movie is as good as its villain, and the villains were a little on the weak side this time. But I think the core cast really does elevate it so three out of five right on Uh, i can go next so yeah when i left the theater just a few hours ago in fact (laughs) um i had a genuine good feeling so i would describe this movie as a feel-good movie i mean it's kind of a cliche term at this point, but this is genuinely a feel-good movie. (laughs) You'll get the warm and fuzzies watching this one. Um, I had mentioned it before, but it is super funny and super touching. Like, um, I mentioned that with, uh, like, the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, and this movie is very much different than those movies, but um, it is similar in that it, it... it taps into um, comedy and, uh, you know, uh, 
your emotions also, right? It gets, it gets to you, it gets you in the feels, man. <laughs> um, so huge points. I was not expecting that. Um, I didn't think it was going to be this funny. And I certainly did not think that I would be close to tears at a, a number of points in this movie. There are a number of scenes that really got me here. Um, it's not a perfect movie. Uh, I kind of called out some of the flaws with the action. And, you know, a, a big bottom line, too, is like uh, I loved seeing uh, the Jaime Reyes character and his family. But the actual Blue Beetle superhero, like I kind of checked out when he got in the full suit. <laughs> you know, like th those scenes were much less interesting to me than just like Jaime and his family interactions and 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 all that stuff. Right. Um, so a lot can be said there. Ultimately, um, a high recommendation. I'm going to go with four out of five. Uh, how about you, Preferio? So, you know, I said a lot of good positives about the film. It definitely came with its flaws and everything. But, you know, I guess for me, this is a movie I kind of, it felt really, I felt represented. It felt really personal. Um, I saw there's a lot of great Latinx storyline characters, a lot of like cast and heart felt was in the film. Um, and it's just those small details that just made me emotional, just being like, oh my gosh, I, I totally can see my family doing that. Um, Storyline did good, came with its cliches and predictive predictability, so that's why I have to knock it down a bit. But overall, I really enjoyed this film. I gave it a four out of five. Um, It's like what you guys both said, it's a really good feel-good movie doesn't take itself seriously it's a good like mix of comedy and action um but just please do yourself a favor and just go watch it and um it is worth your time that's all i could say it's a cute movie well said well said and yeah uh i would second that you know uh, go see this movie. Support this movie. <laughs> go yeah. see it. Yeah. Uh, chances are it won't be in theaters much longer. <laughs> so go see it and uh, vote with your dollars. You know, we talk about, um, you know, the future of Blue Beetle and um, Zolo in this role. Um, but, you know, a vote for this movie is also a vote for other diverse projects, right? You know, uh, with with enough box office for this movie, maybe a situation like Batgirl doesn't happen in the future, right? Um, so keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Okay. Um, so as we've done, we're going to give a comics recommendation. It is related to this movie. So, uh, Perferio, you want to take it away? Yeah, so I have a good Blue Beetle comic. It just came out, I want to say, like, last... I know at the end of last year. And it's the the series is called Blue Beetle Graduation Day. It's written by um, Josh Trujillo. Um, and it is, again, like, if you like 
what I enjoyed about the film was just like that those Latinx like representation and those like small little details. Like you'll find that within this comic series, like small scenes of him like listening to like Selena or whatever. Um, it's a good like uh I mean the the storyline is essentially like Jaime, he's graduating from um from high school. He's not going to college and he won't he's kind of confused about what he wants to do with his life and he kind of does lose control with like his suit so the justice league actually tell him like hey you're like grounded no superhero activity but like of course trouble follows hymen around and so you get introduced to like two other beetles you get introduced to a green and yellow beetle who are trying to like uh hurt Jaime and his beetle and um there's like this whole like alien backstory to like where the the beetles come from and everything and it's not in the film like where his his power his suit came from but the this comic does a little bit of job at answering those kind of questions and um I think what is also cool about this comic is that it's actually the first time you learn about Victoria. You know, she was a character creative within the series and then she's in the film. And also the city. Um, what's the city called again? We just said it. <laughs> we just said it. Uh, <laughs> pa Palermo City? Now I messed it up. <laughs> I kept forgetting, so I just kept calling it the keys. <laughs> well, oh, uh, the... Pa Palmera City. Palmera City. <laughs> so that city is also again like the first time it is mentioned within the in this comic series. Um, so a lot of these like references that are in the film are for the first time mentioned in this comic series. And fun fact. Um, so Jaime Reyes, because I read like the first comic series that he was introduced, he is actually from El Paso, Texas, where he grew up. And that's not really referenced in the film. But if you look closely, there's a scene where he lives on El Paso Street. Ah, so, nice cool, little nugget. Cool little Easter egg. Easter egg, yeah. Uh -huh. right. Um. If you don't have time to read this series, though, there is a new Blue Beetle series that comes out next month. Um, so I recommend this series or the next one that's coming up because if you like Blue Beetle, hopefully it'll continue with that spirit of cool. why we like the film. Excellent. Yeah, that's a good call out because it sounds like this series uh, it's called Graduation Day, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like this probably most closely matches the movie content right because there's been a long history of blue beetle comics but a lot of it's very old and a lot of it has very little to do with this particular incarnation of the character right excellent excellent pick and with that we can wrap up the episode this is farewell from henry perferio and christian